Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One. It is Monday, February 12th, 2023. Mark Daly here on a somewhat quiet Monday night. I guess uh, that's to be expected. Still a couple of weeks before the Formula One season officially gets underway. We do have preseason testing coming up very, very shortly. And of course, this week we will see the remainder of the teams launch their 2024 Formula One World Championship contenders. We've got uh, Ferrari dropping on Tuesday, so probably about the time that uh, you're listening to this podcast, we should uh, see the Ferrari for this year. And then uh, we have on Wednesday, Mercedes and McLaren launching both of their cars at uh, Silverstone. And then on Thursday, we have Red Bull launching their 2024 car at uh, Silver. Well, we're not sure yet. Uh, that's still to be confirmed, but uh, Mercedes and McLaren uh, confirmed to be uh, doing their launches at Silverstone, Ferrari and Red Bull still a little bit uh, up in the air. So it's uh, it's Monday. And like I say, it's a, it's a bit quiet. You know, I find myself uh, today or found myself uh, today looking over more NFL news more than anything else. Of course, uh, we had the Super Bowl here on Sunday, the Kansas City Chiefs beating my beloved San Francisco 49ers and boy does it seem a long time before we're gonna have some football again but hey that's all good interesting game though I thought Uh, it wasn't necessarily a classic or maybe it was I don't know maybe we'll have to to see it how this one kind of marinades uh, over time but certainly both teams taking it to almost a second quarter in overtime quite uh, incredible and um, it it never ceases to amaze me just how big of a show that uh, the the Super Bowl is and uh, certainly I think that uh, Las Vegas did uh, a great job of uh, hosting it so um, yeah Look forward again till to, to next year. And I guess there's only a couple of weeks before Formula One gets going again. So it's not like I'm not going to have uh, nothing to to keep my interest peaked and uh, nothing to look forward to in, in the time being. So just Formula One, hurry up, please. <laughs> it can't come uh, soon enough. Anyways, uh, there's some interesting uh, stories to, uh, to jump into and uh, look at uh, tonight, even though, uh, as I said, it is a, a bit of a quiet evening got some uh, voicemails to play we've got some a uh, couple of tweets to go over or x's or whatever we're calling them nowadays so we'll get uh, through all of those over the next uh, little bit first of all just uh, the, the first thing that uh, and it's interesting because i did get a couple of uh, tweets on this topic uh, just the, the whole ongoing uh, subject of what's happening with uh, christian horner and this uh, investigation that uh, he's found himself embroiled in at, uh, at red bull the allegations of improper or in- inappropriate uh, behavior uh, towards a, a female employee at uh, at Red Bull. Nothing as of right now. Uh, They had uh, a meeting or he did, uh, uh, Horner that is, sat down with uh, some of their lawyers and um, the person that's in charge of uh, leading that investigation for several hours of this past uh, Friday. Nothing at uh, this point in time. And a spokesperson for Red Bull said, quote, it would not be appropriate to comment before the investigation is completed. And I think that's uh, entirely appropriate at this point in time. So we won't speculate either, other than, um, you know, if it does come to pass that he did something uh, inappropriate uh, and depending on the severity of it, of course, who knows where it leaves uh, the leadership of that team. And uh, I know we chatted about that a little bit uh, this past Friday night. So let's just uh, jump into the into the mailbag. First of all, I had it open uh, up here a few moments ago. Uh, let's see what uh, we, we've got here. So um, the first one was uh, from Sean Huggins, uh, laid in there, weighed in on that one as well, wanted to know what was happening with, uh, with uh, Christian Horner and the Red Bull uh, situation. And uh, Sean's tweet was, uh, was the whole Christian Horner investigation thing all just rumors? That story came in pretty spicy in a sense 
seem to disappear. And I think that uh, we will find out something one way or another before uh before it's all said and done okay well why don't we just uh, jump right into it um so i have set up something where we can uh, if you want to weigh in on the show and uh, you want to leave a voicemail just head on over to um twitter or, or x and then just uh, look for my uh, the profile to the show here and then uh just uh, look for the pinned tweet i am in the, the the process of finally getting the uh the, the website uh, set up so uh, just to head on over there there is a pinned tweet at the top just click on that head on over to to, uh, to, to the website that it, uh, it brings you to. You've got five minutes to record a message. That doesn't mean you have to use all five minutes if you don't uh, need to. And, you know, keep it clean, have a good take, and uh, let's have a little bit of uh, fun with this. And, you know, it, unless you specifically say otherwise, if you record it, then it's a fair game to, to play on the podcast. If it's just for privates, uh, you know, a private conversation uh, between the two of us, just, uh, you know, please state that somewhere in the message that uh, you don't want to play it on the show. And that's uh, perfectly fine as well. So let's do that. Uh, we got a couple here. So we'll play the first one from Saqib. So let's have a listen. Hey, uh, Mark Saqib here, longtime listener, love the show. Uh, just wanted to ask, so how will Mercedes handle Lewis and George this year? Um, we know they always say the drivers were equal, but, you know, to be honest, Lewis was always the number one, and it kind of showed uh, on how they handled the last, how they handled the fight the last two seasons. So, yeah, what, what do you think? And, um... I wonder if it changes based on the fact that Lewis is leaving like next year. So do they, do they prioritize George more openly or are they still going to stick with Lewis? And the second thing is, um, obviously, you know, based on a lot of reports, Lewis did a lot of experimentation with his setups last two years. So I wonder what it's going to be like, with him only worried about this year, you know, not at all invested in the development or anything upcoming. Only thing he cares about is getting results. So I wonder um, how that's going to play out. Is he going to be able to beat George um, pretty easily again? So yeah, just wanted to see what you think. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks for the message, uh, Saqib. A couple of uh, really interesting uh, points in there, right? And the first one uh, in Saqib's message is, what is the situation going to be between uh, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell this year? Lewis obviously dropped the bomb uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, that he's leaving uh, for Ferrari at the end of this season. It's going to be going over to the Scuderia for a couple of years on uh, on a, what seems to be a pretty big contract. And so it, it's this odd situation that that that, that we have now that uh, we we have Lewis Lewis leaving in less than a calendar year. We've got Carlos Sainz, which is, uh, you know, it's going to be his last season at uh, Ferrari as well, because Lewis is going to take uh, that that ride from him, that drive from him, I should say. And I don't know. I, I, I've thought about this uh, quite a bit since uh, the, the the message came in, and I'm a little bit. I, I've got a couple of thoughts on it. Number one, I think it sort of comes down to the fact that that Lewis is the number one driver. He has been, and you know, all this time, all these years that he's been with the team for for over a decade now, won multiple world championships uh, there, and of course, uh, you know. That not just for the drivers, but it was a, a huge contributor to the the, the the fact that they won all these uh, constructors world championships as well. Of course, a lot of that has to go 
also to Valtteri Bottas and Nico Rosberg, you know, the teammates he had at the time. But, you know, the, what Lewis did with Mercedes, I think is, uh, well, it, it's obviously uh, unprecedented almost. I mean, the only other driver that comes close to it is, uh, you know, Michael Schumacher 20 plus years ago in the time that uh, that, that he's won multiple world championships when, uh, when, when he was with uh, Ferrari. So I think just based on that fact that, uh, you know, he's been the number one, had this massive success, they kind of go with him as the number one driver the you know notwithstanding that he's leaving at the end of the year however the one sort of plot to twist that we have there is what happens if george russell has an amazingly good start to the year i mean if you go back to 2016 when nico rosberg won his world championship you know obviously lewis was a little bit younger then but you know that's probably irrelevant because at 38 years old he doesn't show any at least overt signs that uh, he's slowing down i mean we got to give him a bit of a gimme over the last couple of years that that the, the the car that Mercedes has given him hasn't been the greatest. But, you know, anyways, going back to 2016, Nico had a really good start to the season and, and Lewis struggled a little bit. And after about four or five races, Nico had a 40-something point lead over Lewis in the, uh, in the Drivers' Championship. And of course, at that point in time, it was all Mercedes. It was very much, uh, you know, like we've seen with Red Bull the, the, the last couple of years, that there was nobody there to, to challenge them. You know, Ferrari was, you know, not quite there to catch up to them. Red Bull wasn't there to, to challenge Mercedes as well. So Nico goes out. He, he manages to maintain that lead. And even though Lewis kind of whittled it down over the course of the year, it, it was a bit of a different situation because there was a lot of a- animosity between those drivers, you know, over the years and it kind of peaked there. But then again, it's, it, it's, it's a completely different situation because Nico Rosberg moves on at the end of the year. Lewis is still the number one driver. So I don't know if that's really the greatest uh, comparison, unless I like to say that, that George has some fantastic start to the, re- the season builds up a, you know, a big lead in the championship over, over Lewis. I don't think it's uh, realistic to expect that, uh, that the Mercedes will be leading the championship, but who knows, right? I mean, we're still a couple of way, weeks away from the first race of the season, and who knows how that uh, all plays out. Maybe the car this year will be an absolute world-class beast of a car that uh, reestablishes Mercedes dominance, or maybe it kind of falls into where they've been the last couple of years, or maybe somewhere in between. Um yeah, so the, I, I think that's the first one. I mean, if you kind of look at um, the, the the stats between the two, uh, the last uh, couple of seasons. So in 2022, uh, George, fourth in, pardon me, fourth in the Drivers' Championship with 275 points. Uh, Lewis in 2022 was sixth in the World Championship with 240 points. So a bit of a difference between them, 35 points. That's that, that's pretty respectful, obviously. George had a much uh, better season, but uh, well... <laughs> he had the more consistencies because if you look at his best uh, race in 22 was a second place in uh, in Holland at Zandvoort. He had six P3s that season. Lewis, on the other hand, even though he finishes a couple of places down in the World Championship uh, compared to George, he had five P2s uh, and then he had four P3s. So then you fast forward a year and uh, George, his best uh, results of the year were two P3s uh, in Spain and Abu Dhabi. And uh, by the time it all sort of shakes out at the end of the year, he's got 175 points. It's only good enough for eighth of the world championship. Then Lewis last year, he has three P2s and he scored those in Australia, Spain and Mexico. However, he gets 234 points. So 
it's interesting because if you compare year to year, he's not really all that far off where he scored or what he scored in 2022. I know there's some sort of like shenanigans going on with the calendar and some races that uh, that that didn't come off that we were expecting. However, just comparing year to year, I mean, he was almost identical in 22 and 23. But the big difference is Lewis last year was third of the World Drivers' Championship, and he was the top non-red or the top placed non-Red Bull driver. And there, there was a real difference between the the, the two seasons that Lewis had and and George Russell had last year. So it'll be interesting to see how they rebound. I think that George obviously is going to be very very motivated to really pick up and, and get back to where he was two years ago, because he can see now that, you know, maybe this is his team for the, for, for the taking, right? Like who's going to come in to replace Lewis Hamilton for 2025 at, at Mercedes. I mean, there's been a whole bunch of names uh, thrown, uh, thrown out there. And you have to think that uh, even though they've had uh, their, their struggles over the past uh, two years, that still has to be a, a drive that a lot of different people are going to have their eyes on. And uh, there, there's so many, we'll talk about a couple of, of them uh, as, as we move through the show here but um yeah that uh it is certainly a fascinating situation so for what it's worth uh that's what i think uh, how it could uh, play out but you know just in short unless george has a really good start to the season i expect uh, lewis to be the number one driver at uh, mercedes and of course who knows maybe they have a massive falling out but i don't know based on the relationship that lewis and mercedes have had with each other over the past decade it would take something major for that uh, to happen as for the second part of the uh, the, the question from Sakib there, you know, Lewis kind of experimenting with his uh, with his setup. I, you know, sure, why not, right? I mean, it's it's your last year. You've had massive success with the uh, with Mercedes. He's tied with total uh, number of world championships. He's got seven, just like M- Michael Schumacher. Why not just uh, give it a go? Like you, you've really got nothing to lose. I wouldn't say that's like a, to the, this is like a throwaway year, but maybe this is a year that uh, you can be a little bit more risky if you're Lewis Hamilton because if the gamble pays off and you're a little bit more aggressive with the, the, the way you experiment with the car, then maybe it pays off and, and maybe, you know, you get, uh, who knows where it takes you again. You know, it's, it's fun to sit here and speculate as to how this car might actually be. And again, it seems like a bit of a long shot that the, the, the Mercedes might be a contender for a world championship this year, but you never know. Let, let's have this conversation again in about uh, a month or six weeks from now. Uh, no, let's make it six weeks. Let's, let's get a couple of races under our belt first and to, to really kind of see where everybody lines up, uh, you know, compared to one, one another. But, you know, I, I think that uh, if you're Lewis, you might as well just uh, go all in and just have a little bit of fun and see where it uh, where it takes you. Okay, let's go on to uh, the, the next message. We got one here from Martin Price. So let's uh, listen to Martin's message. Hi, Mark. This is Martin from Florida. Hey, I'm a long-term listener and first time doing this. So uh, I just want to wish you the very best for taking the reins on this show, buddy. It's going to be great this year and uh, you're going to take this show to different places. So uh, anyway, three questions for you. Question one, if Mercedes dropped Lewis from this year's lineup and put Mick Schumacher in his driving seat, do you think it would pull the team closer together for this season? Number two, do you think that Oscar Piastri is a better driver than Lando Norris? And does he have the potential to put more podiums this year? And question three, do you think that Haas will sell this year? 
And if they do, do you think that will open the gauntlet for Andretti Sports to buy them and finally enter F1? Love the show, my friend. All right. Well, thank you for that, uh, Martin. And again, a couple of really, really good uh, questions here. So, so let's jump into those. So we go. We got three to tackle here. Mick taking the seat uh, from from Lewis Hamilton. Uh, we got uh, the, the question here: Oscar Piastri v Lando Norris, and then you know the the, the story that kind of keeps on giving the last uh, week or so. The whole ongoing saga of uh, the denial of uh, a, a grid spot for Andretti in twenty twenty six. At least. Uh, you know, for, for the time being, as far as we know, but let's tackle that first one. Uh, you know, I think it's kind of an interesting thought, right? So, so Mick Schumacher has a couple of non-eventful years in Formula One with Haas, which I think basically, sadly, kind of uh, sums up mostly everybody that's driven a Haas car. I mean, they've had a couple of pretty good uh, moments here and there, you know, more there than rather here, you know, far and few between is the point. Um, and then, he gets, you know, they, they part ways after the end of 2022. He's now the reserve driver of Mercedes. All we saw of Mick Schumacher in 2023 was just pictures of him in the pits on a, on a Sunday afternoon at a different uh, Grand Prix. So it's, it, it, that is another interesting situation. I mean, he's got the name, he's got the, the, the pedigree, you know, son of a seven time world champion, one of the great, the greatest drivers of uh, Formula One history, Michael Schumacher. But as of yet, it hasn't really panned out. Now, whether or not Mercedes would have the the, the courage to, you know, just drop uh, Lewis and walk away from him, that would again kind of going back to the the, the previous question from Sakib, I, I I don't know unless that that relationship between Mercedes and Lewis turned frosty really really quick to the point that it it, it becomes a case of hey you know what we just can't work together anymore uh, why don't we just um, you know let, let's get the lawyers together <laughs> and see how we can uh, you know how, how we could tidy this thing up and just kind of move on uh, with, with one another so that's kind of like the, the major sticking point but you know should that happen you know like it, I think Martin raises an interesting point here you know would you know if they put Mick in that car would it bring the team together and I, I guess you know if you know the, the the unexpected were to happen I I think the way that I see that would be is you know, possibly yes, right? I mean, a little bit of adversity was never a bad thing, but I suppose it would really have to come down to circumstance of, you know, circumstances. If uh, Mercedes and Lewis just got to the point and said, you know, hey, you know what, we're done. Uh, let's just go our, our, our separate ways. But that that's an interesting one to, to, to think about. And again, you know, what has Mick kind of learned in the past uh, year or 18 months since he's uh, become like a, the, the Mercedes a reserve driver hasn't had the opportunity obviously to race you know how much potential is left in this in this guy i mean still in his early 20s uh i mean you can make the argument that uh, that that Haas wasn't really the, the the place for him to be to start his career maybe he didn't get a fair shake at it yeah you know I, I think that's a fair enough comment to, to have, but I mean, uh, or conversation to have, but I think when it comes down to it, I think what's maybe a little bit more to the point is that, you know, regardless of where it is that, you know, maybe he's not, you know, he's not with the greatest team with Haas, but, you know, do you make the argument and say, well, 
at least if he's not going to win races there, then at least he's he, he's getting the chance to get real miles in a Formula One car, race in in race situations, and all the things that uh, that, that you just can't do in a simulator. So that's the the other side to to that conversation. Now, this next one, uh, the 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 the, com, uh, the comparison between Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris, I, I think this is going to be one of the really interesting stories to watch this year. I, I think that Lando, since he joined McLaren, you know, a number of years ago now, has done a really good job. I mean, th- this is a team that under Zach Brown has really been reinventing themselves and there's been some ups and some downs, but I mean, they've been they've been trending upwards. I mean, since Zach Brown took over as CEO of uh, McLaren several years ago when the team was obviously not in a great place. It was uh, pretty chaotic. There was, uh, you know, let's just say they had their issues. Uh, he, he's he's turned them around. And I think in a, in a fairly short amount of time, I mean, you've, you've got Andrea Stella now, who is the, is, is the team principal. And that was kind of a, you know, a, a shock move uh, or a, appointment because, you know, Andrea Seidel moved on from, from McLaren to take over the top job uh, at, uh, at Audi and is going to lead them into Formula One in 20 2026. And that was something that maybe perhaps a lot of us didn't expect to, to, to see happen. But Stella, who was an internal hire, takes over and the, and the team kind of, they, they continue progressing in the right way, at least in the second two thirds or the second, well, maybe not the second half of the season, but at least, uh, you know, just before the summer break last year, but it looked like it was going to get off to a bit of a shaky start. But we saw some interesting things. I mean, if you just compare Lando to Oscar last year, Lando had six P2s. He had one P3, had 197 points, which is good enough for six in the world championship. So pretty respectful, right? And Obviously, I think it's uh, it's a fair discussion to have that had McLaren not struggled in those first what was it about like eight or nine races of the year until we got to Austria and they got that really good upgrade package on Lando's car that they left quite a lot of points out on the track and I, I think that probably goes for 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 both of them. I mean, you look at the uh, Oscar's uh, record for last year. He was uh he was ninth in the in the world championship. He had uh, 97 points and he had a very very good rookie season. I mean, if you look at um, Oscar's uh, best uh, results of the year, he had a P3 in Japan, he had a P2 in Qatar and I mean what can you say about like Oscar Piastri? Sure, it's only ninety-seven points, but this is a is a driver that if you look through the first you know number of races, he retired in Bahrain. He's fifteenth in Saudi Arabia, decent eighth place at his home Grand Prix in in Australia, then an eleventh, a nineteenth. He gets in, he gets a single point in Monaco, and then he's he, he's in outside of the points for Spain, Canada, and uh, Austria. And Austria is an interesting. Um, you know, comparison because Lando in Austria gets a P for that, uh, that, that weekend. And that's the weekend where their season really turned around and, uh, you know, compared to his, uh, his teammate, um, you know, Piastri finishes in P16, but from there it was really no looking back. I mean, Lando on the, you know, if you go back and look at the stats, I mean, even, um, you know, e- even though, Piastri does manage a couple of podiums later in the year and Lando's, um, you know, record is still pretty good. You know, it's, it's, it's excellent really in that second half of the season last year. 
it's it's interesting. I, I'd have to really dig into the stats to see how they compared one on one. But I, I think that what we saw from Oscar Piastri is that uh, I think he really signaled to the rest of Formula One that hey, I might be a rookie, but uh, I'm here. I'm I, I'm here to win races and and maybe championships if things work out. So I, I think what I'm trying to get around to say is that. That, that Oscar Piastri basically put Formula One on notice. And I think it's going to be fascinating to watch because Lando, I think, is uh, is one of these drivers that we've been looking at over the last couple of years that, hey, if you give this guy a good car, there's a potential that he's going to win races. And I don't think there, there's there's any question about it. I think last year with the, all the races that uh, where, where he finished you know, runner-up, and I hate to use the, the old Ayrton Senna quote that, you know, you know, second is just the first of the losers – because that's pretty cruel to basically everybody in Formula One last year who wasn't Max Verstappen. But I, I think that Lando had an extraordinarily good season, and I can't help but wonder how much better it could have been. But I don't think that uh, that, that Oscar Piastri is going to go away uh, very soon. I, I think he had a very, very good, excellent rookie season. And I think we have to keep, uh, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't keep a, an eye on Oscar Piastri, because I think there's some you know, big, big things to come from, from him. And then finally, the last of uh, Martin's points is like, what happens with Haas and Andretti? And, you know, gosh, you know, this whole thing kind of still really bothers me, right? And there was a, a quote here from from Martin Brundle uh, today, basically talking about you know comparing Haas and Formula or sorry Haas and Andretti to, to to one another. I mean, Haas joined Formula One back in when was it 2016? So they've they've been in almost a decade now, coming up on it. Anyways, the quote that uh, that was uh, you know came from Martin Brundle is this. Uh, quote, I think if Haas were applying now to Formula One as it is in 2024, I don't think they get an entry, to be honest. In the the way that they operate and the structure of their team, partly in Italy, the UK and America, but they're already in the club. That's the key part here, and they've been part of building the recent success and soaring awareness of Formula One, end quote. So a couple of things to unpack there, and and, and this is where it, <laughs> this is what really kind of bugs me. I mean, sure, I, I think that the, the justification or the concerns that were voiced around Andretti not having a, like a rock-solid engine partner to bring them into Formula One while they get something sorted out with General Motors for some time in the future, that's a legitimate concern and i mean i was a little bit uh, kind of like irritated by the offhandish comments by bruto famine from from reno last week it was like oh well you know it was basically we had a pre-contract with andretti it wasn't really a deal we kind of you know basically like a loose working agreement right uh, you know, whatever that's uh you know <laughs> i i think if you ask michael andretti i think he was probably under the impression that maybe it was something a little bit more than that and reno it seems like they're kind of walking away from it uh or backing away from it uh, to a certain extent but you know fair enough um you know formula one they can have their you know have their concerns and their issues about that but the thing where it gets really you know just really gnaws away at me it was the comment was that that andretti would gain more from formula one than formula one would gain from andretti in the sport which you know i i think is ludicrous especially if you're thinking or like uh you know 
you know talking about an American North American audience because you know the Andretti name is basically a household name in 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 people who are racing fans and not even I mean Mario Andretti is one of these drivers that transcended the sport and everybody basically knows what he did not just in Formula One and IndyCar and what Michael's done and that the family's done as uh, as team owners as well so. That is kind of crazy because I mean, if if you look, <laughs> if you take that same logic and look through that same lens, I think that Haas has benefited way more from Formula One than Formula One's benefited from from from, from Haas. I mean, what has Formula One benefited from Haas? The fact that that uh, Gunther Steiner, the now former team principal, is a bit of a you know, an eccentric and sometimes foul mouth cult figure to, you know, Netflix fans who like uh, drive to survive. I mean, not to take anything away from Gunther. I mean, but, you know, I, I think more people in, in that case are fans of Gunther Steiner rather than fans of Haas. Right. So I find that, uh, you know, that, that logic just uh, one-on-one, uh, is, is just, you know, it, it, it's silly. I mean, you can't say that to Andretti without, you know, looking at Haas in the same way because they have, uh, you know, they've been benef- benefited many, many more times from being in Formula One than the uh, the the other way around. And and who knows? I mean, would the, is it likely that they would uh, sell the team and Andretti buy it? I guess, you know, maybe that comes down to Michael Andretti and Gene Haas having a conversation and Gene maybe saying to to Michael, hey, Michael, make me an offer I can't refuse. Maybe it comes down to that. But, you know, if you kind of go back a couple of years ago, it seems like there was a lot of smoke uh, around the whole Andretti buying Sauber at that time. And then that uh, that didn't go away. I mean, that at the time, I mean, the, it was reported to be somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe, what was it, $200 million is what, uh, what, what Andretti was, was willing to pay for the, you know, Sauber at the time, which let's be fair, that would have been a bit of a rock bottom, <laughs> you know, price to buy a Formula One team. So who knows how accurate those uh, stories were. The key point is that it, it didn't happen. And uh, Andretti uh, moved on to other things and, and tried to secure a bid uh, to, you know, to get a grid spot in their own right and of course that hasn't uh, worked out but at least uh, not till date but i don't know the uh the 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 comparison between themselves and Haas, i think is i i think it's apples and oranges i think that that andretti is is a far more credible obviously uh you know racing entity team you know corporation whatever you want to call them and um i i think that their intentions are not just to show up and just you know drive laps around formula one circuits but i think that the they would want to to make a serious go of it and and why not i mean they've been so successful in so many other things i read out the stats there a couple of uh, weeks ago of uh, what uh, the andretti's uh, have achieved like as drivers and as uh, team owners and it's it's second to none i mean it's very very impressive so who knows maybe gene has sells the team maybe andretti buys them maybe neither of that happens again it's uh, one of those stories that we're going to just have to to sit back and let uh, unfold over the, the the weeks and maybe months ahead anyways uh thank you for those uh again uh you'll know, love the comments uh, love the voicemails by all means i'll keep uh, retweeting that until i can find a uh, or make time to have a proper landing spot on a, on a, on the website and get that uh, up and going finally get that uh, that live and um love it love to hear the the, the, the comments uh, and questions from people remember this is a podcast by formula one fans for formula one fans let's have some fun let's talk about formula one the way that we want to talk about it. i mean we're not beholden to anyone there's no media credentials 
financials to wa- worry about. I mean, that doesn't mean that we can you know go offside and 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 speculate or be libelous or slanderous or just uh, you know. But I mean, we can we can have fun in our own uh, own way with it. So by all means, uh, please uh, leave a voice message or you know send us a tweet or an email at scooteryf1pod at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll always get uh, around to those. Okay, time for a quick break. Going to come back. Uh, there's a couple of uh, stories here that I want to touch on. It's going to be a bit of a shorter show tonight, but uh, hoping that uh, by the time I come back on Thursday for the for the bigger of the uh, the, the lengthier, maybe the, the lengthier of the two shows uh, per week, that uh, there'll be some more news that will build up over the the, the the couple of days between then and uh, and now or now and then. Anyway, it's time for a quick break uh, for a quick message from our sponsor. So don't go away. I'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Welcome back to the show. And, you know, there, there's been a couple of really juicy and really good comments uh, from Fernando Alonso. Aston Martin had uh, the launch of the AMR24 today at, uh, at Silverstone. And uh, Fernando certainly is uh, at times not, <laughs> he doesn't hold back. I mean, he's sometimes uh, can be quite uh, blunt and isn't afraid to, to really say what uh, he's thinking. But there was a, a couple of uh, really interesting comments uh, that, uh, that he made at the at the Aston Martin launch uh, today and uh, the, the the well the one that's kind of interesting was just the the one that uh, he made about uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, Hamilton's quote uh, that dry, you know driving for Ferrari was a childhood uh, dream and I'll just uh, read this uh, this quote that uh, came from the uh, the the media session that uh, Fernando did afterwards uh, in which he said quote I didn't spend too much time thinking about it I was actually training that day I missed all the stress from everybody so I was just one day late on the news uh, it was probably a, a surprise, I will not lie, but not because the change itself. It was just because on the outside, it seemed like he was very linked with Mercedes and very loyal to them and things like that. It was just a little bit unexpected. I don't know the reasons behind. I don't know anything. I don't know the story. I didn't pay too much attention. Uh, then Fernando goes on to say, quote, it was not his childhood uh, dream 12 months ago. No. 
or two months ago, I guess, it was a different dream. I hope he enjoys the experience. I think it's a very special team, but it's more special when you win. It's been a few years already since they have a very fast car and they were fighting for big things. Maybe Lewis can bring that extra fight for the championship because the car is there. At the end of last year, even with a very dominant Red Bull car, Ferrari was still able to match the lap time and to be faster than them at most of the qualifying. So I think the car should be fast enough, end quote. And of course, uh, we have to dial this back uh, again a little bit because uh, Fernando and uh, Lewis were teammates back at uh, McLaren way back in the early 2000s or towards, uh, was it 2008? And um, let's just say they just did not get along so that that relationship i think is maybe you know mellowed a little bit uh, over time i mean fernando now 42 lewis uh, 38 and it's funny too because when i was thinking about that uh, a little bit earlier tonight when i was going through and looking at the, these quotes that i felt at the time that there was such a big you know gap between the two of them but they were fairly young when they were you know w- when they were teammates together i remember seeing fernando at the european grand prix back at the nurburgring in 2001 i mean he, he must have been like 15 years old at the time i mean he was a, a very prodigious uh, talent and i guess he would, would have been uh, racing for Mar- uh, minardi in those uh, days but i mean uh, you know like some of the drivers we see in this current uh, generation that fernando alonso was one of these uh, drivers that uh, that was still quite young when he entered the sport uh, way back in the day. But anyhow, it's, uh, you know, that those quotes uh, from him and just, uh, you know, questioning the authenticity about uh, Lewis's statement about, uh, you know, driving for Ferrari has uh, been one of his uh, childhood dreams. There was an article last week that, uh, you know, or that, uh, that was posted by Matt Bishop, who has uh, been around Formula One for years and has worked with Lewis and a lot of these t- top drivers. And uh, he said that uh, in this article that he uh, remembers running into Lewis in uh, in Japan uh, a number of years ago in which he kind of let it slip that uh, that that or there was some sort of admission that uh, even then at that point that uh, he would like to drive for a Ferrari one day which you know I think you have to kind of maybe take a, a pinch of salt I mean I'm, I'm not doubting Matt Bishop's uh, you know story or you know you know try to be you know sincerity I guess it is but you know who wouldn't want to drive for for Ferrari? I mean, as as uh, Fernando says, that it is a very special team, and you know Ferrari is a very special team in the fact that I th- I think that if you think of you know fancy sports cars, and you don't even have to think about Formula One cars. Ferrari is going to be one of the first words or you know names out of uh, pretty much everybody's uh, you know mouth. Uh, you know they they just are really that uh, that that iconic brand. I mean Enzo Ferrari himself said that uh, Ferrari was a racing team that built uh, road cars. <laughs> I think they've always kind of kept that uh, philosophy at the the heart of what they what, what they do. But you know Fernando has a, a little bit of a insight in there. I mean he did uh, drive for Ferrari about uh, a decade ago. I mean he's driven for a lot of uh, Formula One teams and some pretty big ones so he'll have a you know when he says it is a special team that uh, and, and it's more special when you win I think that maybe in that quote he's just kind of uh, referring to winning in general but certainly uh, you know winning in a Ferrari when the, the the Ferrari is capable of winning and you know he does point out a couple of really good uh, you know points there Ferrari was still pretty close to being able to match lap times of uh, Red Bull at the end of last year and was faster than them in in qualifying now 
Does that carry over to this year? Does that mean that uh, Ferrari is as good as or better than Red Bull? And again, just <laughs> like I was saying at the beginning of the show, when talking about, uh, say, the, the 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 Mercedes, for example, at this point, we don't even really know because uh, you know we, we haven't even gotten to uh, winter testing yet. The first race is still about uh, three weeks away, so it's still a little bit uh, speculative. But I mean, it's it's a very tantalizing thing to think uh, at at this point that yeah, Ferrari were pretty close. Uh, you know, to, to Red Bull at the end of 2023. So we can kind of, you know, sit back and hope that maybe this is a thing. And again, I don't have any problem with Red Bull winning. I don't want them to win every weekend. And if they win the championship this year, and if Max wins another driver's championship this year, I'm okay with that. I would just like to see them have to work for it and see somebody else challenge them for it weekend or week in week out and that it's not not necessarily going to be you know a, a, another dominant season. Having said that, I would love to see you know Mercedes win the championship or a McLaren driver or a Ferrari driver or an Aston Martin driver, anybody other than uh, th- than Red Bull. And that's no hate against Red Bull. I mean, I said the same thing, you know, in, in the last decade when it came to Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton as well. It's just like I don't mind if they win and I don't mind if Lewis wins. It's just like, it just becomes a little bit uh, kind of a repetitive after a while, but that has kind of been formula one over the decade is that you get that winning package of driver and car. And if the, the team can maintain that, that's why we've seen these, these, these dynasties over the years. That's why we've seen Lewis dominate. We've seen Max dominate, Michael Schumacher dominate and, you know, McLaren dominate as well for, for, for different periods. It's just the way that the sport has always been that, that one team always seems to get it right. All the other teams seem to, to scramble to try and catch up then somebody else figures it out then they stay on top for a couple of years and and i don't know if we'll ever get to that point where we have parody all the way across the board that every week it could be somebody else and maybe that's a little bit of kind of wishful thinking a little bit of uh you know maybe it's a little bit unrealistic but you know even if we had a couple of teams kind of mixing it up that the gaps between your Red Bulls, your Mercedes, your Ferraris, your McLarens, for example, was a little bit closer that the drivers from any one of those four teams could go out and uh, and fight and scrap with the, the other three on a Sunday afternoon and make it a little bit uh, more unpredictable uh, that way. So interesting story nonetheless. Okay, the, the, the next one here is that, uh, you know, just, Again, uh, Fernando's quotes uh, just that uh, maybe uh, Lewis could be the spark to lead a title charge at uh, Ferrari. And, and why not? It's, it's pretty obvious that despite all the money, despite all the expertise, dis, d- despite the you know the pedigree that this team has, it, it's missed something the last couple of years. You know, we, we saw that with any number one of the any one of the the, the team principals like Mattia Bonato, Stefano Domenicali, Maurizio Riva Bene. You know people that all were you know very qualified to do that job in their own right had some you know mixed success here and there but nobody's been able to push them over the line i mean it, we're, we're going on now what 15 years since they won a world championship when when kimi raikkonen won it back in what was that 2009 no wouldn't have been 2009 it's but it's been a very very long time since uh, they they've won a driver's championship i mean it's it, it's almost incredible to sit here and and you know scratch our heads and kind of wonder well when is it been <laughs> what was the last time that ferrari won a world championship because you know just the fact that they're Ferrari and they literally, uh, you know, are the biggest racing team on the face of the planet that has like unlimited resources, you know, 
budget cap uh, notwithstanding. But the point is they should have all the infrastructure in place. It should be one of those places where people are banging down the doors to get in there. And you would think you, they would have the, you know, the, the pick, the choice of whoever they needed to, to make this team a, a contender again. And they just uh, don't have it. I mean, the, the thing is Lewis is going to go there next year and he's been part of a team that has been uber successful in the past decade so maybe he's that missing part maybe he is that person that will be able to pull that team together and have people rally around them and it's going to be a little bit tricky in that sense as well we, we still don't know whether or not his uh, race uh, engineer peter bonnington who turned 49 today and happy birthday uh, bono uh, is is going to go to ferrari with him next year we have the whole concept of uh or, or the whole practice that uh, you know put in place that you know senior people in in formula one have clauses in their contracts to prevent them kind of moving around at uh, at a moment's notice so <clears throat> we we don't know what will happen with uh, with bono whether or not he'll stay with uh you know with the mercedes whether or not he'll go and take a year's gardening leave and uh so again, that's another story that we need to, to to keep an eye on. But Lewis definitely has, uh, you know, has it, and maybe that uh, it, it is that uh, everything that he is that could uh, really pull that uh, team together and help them win the championship. Because I mean, they're obviously well overdue uh, to 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 win over there. So. We'll see. All right. Uh, sticking with uh, Fernando Alonso, you know, he, you know Fernando was uh, talking to uh, you know the media again at uh, Silverstone uh, earlier on Monday at the, uh, the the launch of the car, and you know the subject of his uh, future came up. He's uh, under contract until the end of this year. Of course, <laughs> there is that uh, Mercedes uh, seat that's open uh, for for next year. So he was quizzed and asked about uh, you know the potential of uh, where he might go for next year. And, uh, you know, uh, Fernando 42 at the, you know, right now. So, I mean, be 43 this time next year, obviously. So uh, when he was asked about it, where his future lies after this year, he said, quote, first of all, I need to decide myself what I want to do for the future. If I want to commit my life again for a few more years to the sports, which I love, but I love driving. I've been driving all over the winter, different cars, DTM, car cross, rally car, go-kart itself. You know, I love Formula One, but generally I love driving. So if it's not Formula One, I will find myself happy and any other form of motorsport and maybe having more time for my private life which is also very important at this age uh, but this is a decision that I need to do with myself I need to think and I need to commit to a team eventually and then make sure that I understand that in the next few years of my life it will be that team and 100% of my time once I do that decision I want to sit uh, with Aston Martin and say okay I make this decision I would love to continue with this project because I think we did a good step forward in the last year. We built a lot of things together. We have this new facility here. We have everything to succeed for the future, and I trust this project. So I feel that my first priority when I say that I want to speak first with Aston Martin, because I feel very uh, part of this project uh, very much. But if we cannot reach an agreement and I want to commit to race in Formula One, I know that I will have a privileged position. I'm probably attractive to other teams. The performance that they saw last year, the commitment, as I said, there are only three world champions on the grid and there's only one available end quote so there you go so fernando 
kind of leaving the, the the door wide open that uh, you know he is open to other things if uh, it's uh, not uh, going to happen in terms of a new contract with Aston Martin in 2025 even if he wants to commit to something after this year that sounds like it's going to be a little bit of a you know a question mark itself okay so Alex Albon remember him yes the Williams driver he's been in the uh, in the spotlight or at least uh, under the microscope over the last uh, little bit uh, because there's some questions about his future in Formula One. Uh, you know, there's been some reports there linking him to Red Bull to take Sergio Perez's uh, seat. Also, maybe the the the, the vacant seat at uh, Mercedes. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because there are some rumors floating out there that Red Bull has offered him a multi-year uh, contract starting in 2025. And uh, that the team is looking to try and secure what they're calling a first option on uh, his services. You know, Albon now is 27, which, you know, seems like that happened very quickly. I didn't realize he was already uh, that that old. Not that that's old. Uh, but um, anyways, when uh, at, the, at the Williams uh, launch last week in New York, uh, you know, the media asked uh, Alex Albon about uh, his future and Albon said, quote, I would be nine if I said that uh, there have been questions and general chats surrounding my uh, around that. But truthfully, it's not really personally my area. That's more my management. My focus is on driving. Where I stand is I'm very excited to see how this FW46 develops. I want to see how the car feels in Bahrain and the subsequent four, five, six races and really get a feel for the progression that I hope we've made as a team. My whole focus is on Williams and that's where I see myself. The rate of progression to me is very important, so time will tell. I feel like I'm very close to my peak. There are always improvements to be done and there are still areas to improve, but generally with my experience now where I am, I feel like I'm deserving of a car that can score podiums and fights for wins and that's just uh, being totally honest with how I see myself, end quote. So there you go. Interesting if you should go to uh, go back to Red Bull because it was a bit of a gutsy decision by him a couple of years ago to, 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 to break with him. He had his opportunity with Red Bull didn't work out. They pulled the plug on him after they pulled the plug on Pierre Gasly through a previous season. Uh, Alex Albon got that race seat and it didn't work out for, for either of them. But uh, Alex, uh, you know, a bit of a gutsy move to, to to break ties and go to Williams. And, you know, sure, it's Williams, but last year, Alex Albon scored. Uh, where was it? I'm just going to look at the, uh, the standings here. So he was 13th in the World Championship with 27 points. Not not a lot by obviously a lot of other standards, but that's more points than Williams has scored in as or one Williams driver scored on his own. But even uh, you know Williams drivers combined have scored in a good number of years, and uh, we saw some very very uh, good things from from Alex Albon uh, last year. I mean, his best results, if I look here, was I see a couple of P sevens. And looking all around, yeah, we got a couple of P7s here and there, but a lot of points uh, finishes uh, for him. You know, four retirements uh, on on the season, but quite a few uh, points uh, finishes. I mean, he was, uh, you know, did uh, some really good things in qualifying and and just generally made uh, headlines for for all the, the the right reasons. Now, whether or not that's enough to get him a move back to a, a big uh, team, front of the grid team like Red Bull, and whether or not he could uh, do something uh, with that team once he got back there, that is the sixty four thousand dollars question let let's see where he ends up uh, next year because again i mean talented driver and uh, there's gonna be that conversation floating around for a while until we we figure out who's going to get that
that second seat at uh, Mercedes in uh, 2025. And just to finally, just to wrap up the show for right now, you know, like I said, bit of a shorter one tonight, but uh, a couple of, uh, you know, one more story at the, at least, and just going to stick here with Albon and uh, Williams. Uh, he said that the car feels very different in the simulator, and that's the uh, the the FW46, which will be Williams' uh, 2024 uh, Formula One World Championship contender. And uh, the quote from uh, Alex Albon is, uh, very different more than anything, different feeling, so a different driving style is needed. I don't want to speak too soon, but the FW45 always had some consistent limitations with the car especially when we went to tracks like monaco or barcelona they were highlighted low speed was always a big issue for us braking was always a big issue for us but also high speed long corners were difficult for us definitely in the simulator you can see that these areas are have improved but at the same time that comes with quite a different driving style when we hit the track you can really start to try and understand it and pick it apart end quote so you know depending on what happens uh, with that car if it's better if it's not you know that's all going to be uh, you know, it's going to come down to the the influence that James Voles has on that team as team principal. I mean, this will be his second uh, team with the, the season, and this is the opportunity to really start putting his own mark and his own impression upon the team because he's to to more or less uh, had inherited the team in the car last year from the you know the the previous iteration under Yoscapito, and of course uh, they parted ways with him in the off season between twenty two and twenty three. So Voles already came in at the end of a development cycle so he's had a chance to work with what they already had last year and improve what they could and then uh, basically clear the slate and try something different uh, for, for this year i mean vols you know had uh, you know a very very good uh, time at uh, mercedes very qualified very smart person so let's see what uh, he can do there anyways uh, just uh, one uh, you know one final uh, um story here just to pick this one up here uh, so danny ricardo has been talking about some of the speculation linking him to the uh the seats at uh, mercedes for 2025 uh anyways uh, ricardo did uh, you know offer a, an opinion or a quote on that and it is uh follows quote i'm definitely not looking that far ahead at uh, this part of my career looking ahead feels uh, a bit like a, a year closer to the end uh, so it's more reason for me to be there now and really take it race by race i guess in mercedes position they are no rush so they will judge everyone how they're doing the driver market whatever so i think this is a good position for them part of me is also happy not to be involved in all this crazy stuff especially this early in the season so if the silly season happens silly season happens without me then that's fine with me at this point, end quote. So there you go. Ricardo not really giving anything away, and uh, who knows? I, I think he has to be like that. I think he has to be kind of a little bit, uh, you know, play it cool because <laughs> he has to kind of prove that he's he's worthy of a drive in Formula One. And I know we saw some good things from Danny Ricardo uh, in the the second half of last season when he he came back uh, to, to tour well, Alpha Tauri and... I was going to say Toro, but you know, same thing. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, you know, he had a bit of a setback, obviously breaking his hand in Holland, and now, uh, you know, we we saw him again at the end of the season. So he he needs some meaningful miles, and whether or not he still got it, and whether you know whatever it Danny Ricardo is or has at this point is something that uh, Mercedes wants. You know, we have to wait, uh, wait and see. But uh, I I don't know if he would necessarily be a good uh, fit or the driver that they want. I mean, you have to have an exceptionally 
really extraordinarily good year to to get an offer from uh, Mercedes to go there in uh, in 2025. Anyway, it's going to wrap it up uh, right here. Thank you very much uh, for listening to the show. Uh, going to be back on Thursday night. Uh, got somebody lined up to come on the show with me, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, their project, and we're going to talk about all the latest uh, stuff. Got some interesting uh, folks lined up uh, for guests so over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I did uh, get one comment: "Is a uh, please help uh, you know, please bring more people on the show because uh, you know it's a little bit tough listening to you for an hour." And I thought maybe that was from my wife's burner email account, but uh, I've been assured from <laughs> from her that definitely was the case. But I get the point. A little bit of a variety is good uh, here or there. So I've been uh, you know trying to, to to connect with people that have been trying to to do things uh, for a while, and fortunately, finally at the turn of the, the this year, my schedule and my work life you know has got all sorts of time and flexibility. So I'm finally able to do all these things I've been meaning to do for a very very long time, and looking forward to connecting with uh, a lot of different uh, guests over the weeks and, and months ahead. Anyways, going to leave it right there. Again, thank you very much uh, for listening to the show. Oh, just before we go, um, did have a one um, one review that came in uh, this week on uh, Apple Podcast. Just wanted to, to to read that out. That comes from CJMD55 in the USA. And the quote uh, and it was five star rating. Thank you so much uh, for that. The the review is great. Pod uh, working from a solid knowledge of the history of the sport. The perspective on the show is fresh, current, and is interesting. It is a must listen after each race. Sound quality and uh, uh, pace are refined as good as it gets. No goofy hot takes. Pair with a highly technical pod, and you're all set for and ready to go. All right, awesome. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate that. I think that um, that got a little bit butchered at the end. <laughs> I think that Apple cut off uh, something there, but uh, I, I really appreciate that. And uh, you know that that, that is the, the best way that uh, you can support uh, me and and what, uh, what what we're doing here on the podcast is head on over to Apple or to Spotify anywhere else where you enjoy your podcast and and, and leave a kind rating and review. It really is appreciated and it only takes a couple of moments out of uh, our busy lives uh, to do so. Anyways, I'm just going to park it right there. We'll be back on Thursday night. Uh, tweet me at a Scootery F1 Pod or send an email, scooteryf1pod at gmail.com. That's a wrap. Bye for now.